I want to welcome everyone out to our, this segment of our Drafting the Hill podcast. I'm here with entrepreneur, businessman, family man, and congressional hopeful, uh, Sean Whalen. And uh, we got a, a, an election here in about another week or so. Is that right, Sean? One week. One week from today. So we're going to get into that. But um, really, what I'd like to know and learn more about you from the research that I've done is really just how you got to from wherever you were, you know, how many years ago to this point, and in learning about you and reading about you and everything, uh, you have got a pretty compelling story. And I'd like to, I guess here, um, it sounds like there was a big change, I think pivotal, I think in your life, um, late 2000, like 2008, 2009 kind of area when things kind of just got a little crazy in your life. And it seems like, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like that was a big change for you, um, maybe that what got you to where you are now. Can you give me a yeah. little bit of background running up to kind of your history? And Sure. Yeah, I mean, it was a big change for a lot of people. There were a lot of people that lost a lot, yeah. of, a lot of money and also made a lot of money back then when the market, uh, when the market crashed. But I, I grew up in a single-parent home. I grew up back east uh, in an Irish Catholic family. You know, dad was an alcoholic. I mean, just kind of the average East Coast Irish Catholic yeah. guy and middle America family, mom worked, dad worked, and um, parents split up when I was young, uh, early teenager, and, and my mom said, let's, let's, uh, my mom was Mormon, and my dad was Catholic, okay. so mom said, hey, there's this place called Zion, which is like Utah, apparently, and this is where all the Mormons are, we should go there, after the, she and my dad split up, and so we made the trek across the country and came here, and, and uh, I was just a, I was a hellion, and couldn't figure out what was really going on and you know parents split up and it was just yeah. a typical teenager like yeah. getting in trouble and smoke pot and just stay out sneak out late and everything else and um, um, I decided to try on the religion thing you know it was like okay this life being a, a degenerate teenager really isn't serving me very well yeah. um, I was going to try this religion thing on I went on a Mormon mission and uh, found a girl and got married and had some kids and and uh, was very successful at a young age. Um, I, you know, growing up in a single parent home, I watched my mom hustle. Right, I mean, I watched my mom work two jobs to be able to keep me and my brother having fun and doing the things that we wanted to do and go snowboarding and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up with her watching her. You know, really, I don't want to say grind. The way that we hear Gary Vaynerchuk talking about grinding, right, but right. just working her ass off to put food on the table. Um, and my dad just disappeared. He was nowhere to be found in, in, in the scene. Um, but I found from a really early age that I was an entrepreneur, whatever you want to call it, a business owner. You know, I was the guy who went around, the kid who went around the neighborhood and knocked on everybody's doors and said, hey, can I mow your grass for five bucks? And they said, sure. And I'd keep three and I'd give my friend two and I'd make him mow the grass. Yeah. You know, it's like I kind of ran this little racket in the neighborhood. Uh, every summer and we we all had money when the ice cream man came around you know yeah. but I I, uh, I found a lot of um, freedom in being an entrepreneur and, and doing that and so you know got married had some kids and, and found myself desiring to be an entrepreneur and started a bunch of stuff that didn't work and little ideas and, and then uh, and then found myself really successful in the real estate business and mm-hmm. the mortgage business and made a lot of money uh, at a really young age and this is back when the mortgage market was the market was hot period yeah, across yeah, the country right. and um, and so it wasn't really hard for somebody who had the ability to be an outgoing guy to, to kind of find a little niche and make some money 
Um, and so I was really successful at a really young age without very much guidance. Um, I mean, mom still worked, still, still did her deal. I didn't really have a father figure around and mm-hmm. I was more successful than pretty much anybody that I hung around with or knew. And so I was kind of the guy and, and didn't really understand mentors yet. I didn't understand like how to follow somebody's lead or ask anybody questions or, Hey, I, I have a million dollars. What should I do with it? Yeah, you know, I was yeah. the kid who just kind of kept pushing his chips in the middle of the table and, um, 2007, 2008, 2009 rolls around and um, I had been in the mortgage industry previous and so I, as the market started to crash, I knew it was coming. All my developments and all the, the, the borrowed and leveraged money that I had to build these big developments and do all these deals that I was doing was crumbling but I also saw that, holy shit, it was about a wave of foreclosures was about to hit the market and so I, I, uh, I started flipping. Okay. I started a business flipping houses and, and this is what some people who've read my story know, you know, one of my businesses was crumbling where I had leveraged basically everything that I had. And my other business that I just started was exploding with growth. And so here I was like juggling these two balls and, and, and ultimately my attorneys advised me, look, man, we know you think you could take the one and, and profit enough to pay for the other, but you're talking millions and millions and millions of dollars and your company's not even doing that top line every yeah. single year. And yeah. so... They said, look, it's, it's, it's not the, the best decision, but bankruptcy is obviously an option. You're not somebody who went down to Nordstrom's and had a $50,000 Nordstrom card. You had $12 million of business loans and development loans, and you had huge projects, and you know, it's a, it was a very real situation to find mm-hmm. myself in. And so that, that was a really interesting time for me because I'd been very successful for a long time. I'd won and won and won and won. And when you're used to winning, you get kind of get kicked in the dick and you're like, wait yeah. a second, how does this work? I, this, isn't, this isn't how it's supposed to be. I'm supposed yeah. to be winning, right? Yeah, right, right. And so the, the one company was, was going through bankruptcy while the other one was, was growing. And, and I'll never forget, as long as I live, um, the day that I went in and had a bankruptcy hearing in the morning and then I had a photo shoot for a magazine in the afternoon featuring me being one of the 30 under 30 successful entrepreneurs. And so there was this duality, this, yeah. this kind of super, super high of high and this really super low at the same time and trying yeah. to juggle all of that. Um, I just found myself in a really interesting place where I, I kind of looked at everything and said, look, I've got everything that would typically be categorized or labeled as successful. I've got a family and a house and a couple of cars and some vacation homes and also stuff and, right. and then all of a sudden I went found myself in this bankruptcy um, and it just burned me out it really burned me out emotionally psychologically physically um, I, I lost passion for my marriage I lost passion for life I was like I have all this shit like why don't I fucking why don't I enjoy any of this yeah. you know yeah. but I had to keep that facade that face on that right. movement of like I've got to go, I've got to hustle, I've got to go, I've got to hustle, I have all these employees and everybody's relying on me and yeah. essentially I just started trying to juggle like 20 different bowling balls and I found myself uh, it's a, it, it, at one point in time just saying I'm done and I, I just basically dropped them all and I left my marriage, um, I left my company which the year prior had done over $20 million of revenue and it basically just disappeared. I, I kind of fell off the face of the earth, I burned all my friendships to the ground um, went through a really, really nasty divorce, um, really ugly, angry divorce. Um, and I, I went through a 18 month, 24 month period that I just kind of like call my wilderness where it was like me trying to figure out why the hell I was really here. Yeah. You know, like not just here, here, but like, what was my purpose of being here? 
I contemplated suicide. I contemplated checking out and thinking to myself, like, you had built this huge empire, man, and you had all this success, and now you have nothing. But, you know, it was all now, looking back, it's all part of the journey. I had to experience all that. But that kind of led me to where I am now, today. And, and I'm, uh, it's, it, it was a really interesting period of time. And looking back, I smile on it. But back then, it was a, it was a, heavy, it was a heavy load. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... <laughs> I um, I didn't realize how deep that went right when I went in and, and kind of did some more you know learning about you a little bit. So that's definitely an eye opening for sure to realize how fall that fall how far that fall had yeah. gone. So I mean um, we we were we were doing I had 171 employees, a 13,000 square foot office. We were doing 800 to a million dollars a week in sales. I had a very successful company that yeah. I built from scratch. It was me. Yeah. It was an idea in my head brought an employee on and then another employee and then another employee and then another employee and I built this thing from nothing and so as an entrepreneur that's your baby that's your that's your child right and right. you would do anything to keep your child alive and healthy and well and so you know me showing up every day knowing that I had just come from this bankruptcy hearing and trying to you know put on the face and run the game and expand the company and market and sell and grow and vision you know whiteboard the future while you're right. You know, you're getting your ass kicked over here. It, it was a heavy deal, man. And it, it yeah. was it was a good solid two, two and a half years of dealing with that before I just essentially kind of threw in the towel. Said, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you um, <coughs> kind of going a little more into that then. So you've got a couple kids. Is it three boys? Three kids. Three? So oldest is a daughter. Okay. And two boys. Okay. Oldest and two boys. And you, you served your mission. When did you get back from your mission? 98 to 2000. Okay. So 2000 okay. when I got back. So then the next like 10 years or so, you were building and marriage yeah. and kids and the whole, whole bit. Um, how, I guess, the state, it's, I mean, from I, some videos that I've, I've watched, it sounds like you've rebuilt those relationships with your kids mm-hmm. and everything. How, how did, um, I guess... How did that take place, and what do you guys do now? I guess, like as far as your kids are concerned, what are you guys doing with each other, yeah. and how long did that take to kind of rebuild all that? You know, I had I never had a bad relationship with my kids. Okay. It was it was with my ex. Okay. I found myself. This is really hard for a lot of people to, to wrap their head around, but yet the more I talk about this, and the more my story moves, um, the more I find people that resonate with it. Yeah, I'm um, sure because I was angry. You know, but I, I didn't know who I was angry at. I wasn't angry at God. I wasn't angry really at her. I wasn't, I was just angry. I found myself really, really frustrated, really angry. And, and as I look back on it, it was, it was almost me fighting with like an ideology of what should have been, right? I mean, with the way that we were programmed since we were little kids, as you go to school, you do a deal, you, you go to college, you get a job, you find a girl, you crank out some kids, you live blissful and, right. you know, you play volleyball with the neighbors and have barbecues and just, that's it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I found myself really, really, really angry. Um, I was angry at myself. I was angry essentially at everyone and everything. I burned every relationship that I had to the ground. Like all of my friends, everybody that I had known my entire life, I basically told the fuck off. Um, because I felt betrayed by people and, and obviously when you go through a divorce people pick sides and so right. all of these marriage friends that we had that I had spent 10 years you know I was the most successful guy out of every one of my friends and yeah. I paid for golf and paid for the houseboats and took the trips and everybody stayed in my, my vacation homes and so 
going from that to kind of everybody disappearing, I was like, well, then, you know, fuck you guys. Yeah, yeah. And I got really, really upset. And it, and it was when I, my, my shift, um, actually, you know, I like to talk about it as kind of that's one night that everything shifted for me is I spent a lot of this time. I moved out of our big house into a condo and fought with her. And, and really it was like, it was that deranged idea that if I can make her hurt, it'll make me feel better. You know, a lot of guys do that when they go through divorce. It's right. like, we just act like total assholes yeah. thinking that it's going to make us feel better, but really it just makes the, the pit deeper and it doesn't do anything for us, you know, and, and it, it doesn't show our children that we're a good father. It shows her that we're just still an asshole and, and really it shows the universe that we're incapable of, of handling our own shit. Yeah. Um, and one night I remember, um, it wasn't too long, maybe six months after our, our divorce was done. Um, she was dating a new guy and he was 10 years younger and I was like, I thought he was just a total piece of shit. He, yeah. he worked at a fast food restaurant. Here I was a multimillionaire and he didn't have a car. Here she was driving this, you know, nice car. And, and so I, I, one night I was having a really tough night, uh, and it was, it was heavy and all of the, the remorse and thinking, what did I do? I fucked everything up. I mean, I was at the top of the heap in business and my life was good. And then now what? Like nothing. I got nothing. Yeah. And uh, I remember calling her and, and saying, Hey, can you talk? She's like, no, I'm busy. And I could hear him in the background. You know, was, who's that? Is that Sean? Yeah. And to make a long story short, um, you know, I said, look, I'm, I'm in a dark spot. I was really emotional. I just needed to talk to her, connect to her. I had nobody. I mean, I had burned and I did this. This is me. Like yeah. there was no, I wasn't blaming anybody. I had burned everything. And I had literally no one around me. There wasn't a single soul that I, like I had a friend or a confidant or whatever besides my mom, which it's your mom, right? Right. Um, and I remember, you know, him laughing and then her hanging up the phone. And it was like, that sent me into a really bad tailspin that night. And that was the night that I contemplated taking my life. Yeah. And I'm really open with people about that. I mean, I, lay, I remember laying in my bed and I had a pistol with me and, and I, I literally just had tears streaming down my, my cheeks the entire night and like this, it felt like there's a fucking elephant like sitting yeah. on me, like you just couldn't breathe. But I was literally negotiating with myself. I was rationalizing why I should live and why I should die. And it was this internal battle of like, well, if I leave, if I check out, my kids are young enough that they really won't remember me. They're, they're, they'll forget about me and somebody else will step in and play dad, you know? But then if I don't, you know, and, and it was just this insane battle all night long. And, and somehow, somewhere I fell asleep. And I remember waking up the next morning and I had a Ruger, my P95, about six inches from my head. And it was that moment where I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Like, I can't kill myself. Like, but I can't figure this thing out. And it was over the next couple of weeks that I, that I really found myself just realizing that I didn't have an answer. I didn't know how to change this. I was the alpha, I was the man. Yeah. I was the guy, I sorted shit out. That's yeah. what we always do, you know, we'll find a fucking way. Don't know it, we'll find a way, we'll create a way. Yeah. And I didn't have an answer. And, and it was really humbling, you know, to, to call a guy, a mentor, a coach, who I had known for years and I looked at him and, and I saw him start this program and he was helping men kind of address some of their issues and stuff. And I called him, I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't know what to do here. And, and he's like, you know, what do you want? And it wasn't money. It wasn't like, I want to repair my relationship. I didn't seek out my kind of this change for monetary gain or a, a temporal gain. I just said, dude, I don't want to be angry anymore. 
Like, I didn't know why I was so fucking mad, but everything was rage and anger and, and just, I didn't care. And that was kind of the turning point for me where I said to him, look, I need help. I don't know how to do this. And I ended up joining his, his program and, and hiring him to coach me and help me. And I went through a two-year journey, experience that changed my life. I mean, it ripped me open to truth. And I think, you know, now talking about lions, not sheep, what the big mantra, like what I'm really doing and, and helping and adding and, and what my, my clients get from me and, and my coaching is all wrapped around that experience that I had, which is telling the truth. You know, it was, and it was acknowledging I don't have answers. I don't know it all. Uh, I, don't, I don't know every single thing there is to know. I don't know how to solve some of these things. And it was a really interesting experience, but I spent about two years and some of the hardest work that I've ever done on me personally, internally, to get to the point where I'm now my ex-wife and I are, are fantastic. We have a great friendship. I'm friends with her husband. and, and Did she marry know, the fast food guy? She married the fast food guy. So she, they ended up getting married. And, you know, this is a guy who was 10 years younger than her. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like, okay, whatever. This can't be real. I mean, who, he was living in a college dorm at the time. How was he going to be dad? To these three kids, yeah, right? Yeah. Dude, you're still in college. You don't know shit about life. You can't. You literally don't even make enough money to afford the fucking health insurance for these kids, let alone pay for a house and gas and all this other yeah. stuff. And you know that was the ego. I mean, that was the ego playing and all of these ideas and stuff. But they ended up getting married, and and uh, I'll never forget the very first thing after I, I kind of came to this reckoning of I spent a year and a half like really burning everything to the ground, just fueling this rage to the very first thing that my coach had me do was write her a letter of appreciation. And I'm like, I don't think you understand, dude. Like, if she got hit by a bus tomorrow, I would be like, thank you. Thank you, God. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I would, like, literally pray that something like that would happen. And so it took me three months to write this letter to her of appreciation because I truly saw no anything. I mean, we dropped off and picked up our kids from a police station for six months. Like, that's how bad it was. We only communicated through lawyers. I I never spoke to her, never texted her, never saw her. It was just all through lawyers and stuff. So to now be in the position where we're friends and we communicate and we talk daily and we're good and, you know what I mean? It's, it's, most people will never truly, I mean, I've shared this story dozens and dozens of times, but no one will really truly understand the depth of, you know, how far... I went yeah. to, to come out of that and to, to build that, you know? But Yeah, well, to go from, obviously, friends to dating to marriage to great, it sucks, do I hate you, to back to being a, yeah. kind of good, good standing again, that, that's, that's quite the journey. Yeah, it was, sure. it, was uh, it started with my first letter. He, he challenged me to write her this letter. And, I mean, it was total, I don't want to call it serendipitous, but, like, it, it was meant to be him and I lining up together and him being in that place in his life and, helping me do things that, you know, the, the alpha male in me is just a practical, all right, give me this thing, I'll go do it. Give, yeah. me, the, give me the tools, I'll go build the fucking house. But yeah. it was way deeper than that. It was way bigger than that. Um, and it was ultimately, I had to get down into the really, really, I had to open up the darkness. And a lot of people don't do that. We weren't programmed or trained this way. Right. And so we kind of lie our way through life and we never really live the truth. We talk about this in politics, you know, we right. never share how we really feel. We never say the words that we really, truly feel and mean to our our lovers or our friends or our family. And so we live these kind of sedated, neutered lives. And and I was the guy who had lived that way. And it finally 
broke me. I was like, this is bullshit. Like, I'm not fucking happy. Yeah. And so I wrote her um, letters and text messages and emails for uh, almost 14 months before she ever said thank you, before she ever acknowledged a single one of them. And looking back on it now, it wasn't for our relationship. It wasn't for her. It wasn't for this this union of, of these two souls coming back together and being friends. It was 100% for me. It was would I stay committed to doing like the hardest, most difficult work that I've ever done. Everything else is easy compared to that for me. You know, people that say that to me now, like, dude, how is it that it's so easy for you to talk about your shit and talk about this and whatever? I'm like, because you have no clue how fucking dark it was. Yeah. Like, I had to go into that to truly understand it. Uh, but it took 14 months before she ever acknowledged it and said a word to me about thank you or this or that or the other. And so there were plenty of times where I'd send her a text or a note and I wouldn't hear anything and I'd want to be like, fuck you then. Yeah. You know, and, and it took a long time, but that's how hardened I was. That's how far down that rabbit hole I was. And, you know, to this day, I, I think that's, I mean, one of the single greatest challenges that I ever had was that experience of, of finding the depth of me, like yeah. finding the true center of darkness for me to then be able to like really go appreciate the light. Hmm. That, that's a lot for sure. But I mean, <laughs> obviously it's like, Sometimes you think you wish almost that people can go through that to get to the place where they're okay with themselves yeah. where they are. I think that anybody, not like you want to wish that upon people, right? Sure. Because that just, it sucks. But if it takes that to get to a better place, then I mean, man, we, can, we should definitely try to, like you said, open up sure. that darkness kind of thing. But um, going then, moving on to this next thing that I want to ask you about then is the, the line's not cheap. And it sounds like this experience is what kind of paved the way for Lions Not Sheep. So what's Lions Not Sheep? What's your goal? And what are you guys doing? And how did it kind of morph into how did what it is now? come about? And is that what you're doing now? For yeah. Currently yeah, full-time? Is, I, I was a real estate investor. I own the mortgage company. I, and when the market crashed, I started flipping houses and I did really well at it. And, and I could continue to keep, you know, that's what I did. And so I made a couple bucks here and there when I was going through my shit was I just kept flipping some houses. But um, it was interesting how it came about is one night um, after this experience with my ex-wife, um, we got to the point where I was actually like pulling up to the house now and, and it was like just these baby steps of getting to this point. Yeah. Um, and I remember pulling up to her house and the kids came running out and she had had a new baby with, um, with uh, her husband. And the kids came out and said, Dad, come see the house. And I'm like, or come see the baby. And I'm like, oh, you know, we're cool. Come on out. Take yeah. them for my weekend, kind of a thing. And and um, my daughter, bless her heart, was like, "I want you to come see the baby." And, and so she ran inside, and I could hear her say, "Mom, can Dad come come in?" And I, this is years of turmoil. Like I haven't been in her house. She hasn't been in mine. We really haven't seen each other or or conversed face to face in a long, long, long time. And so my daughter comes running out and says, yeah, mom says you could come in. And it was like, oh shit. <laughs> all right. You know, my heart's beating. I'm like, Hey, how are you? You know, I go in and, and all the kids are so jacked up about the baby. They want yeah. me to see this baby. Yeah. And so I went into the house and I sat down in the living room and it was like really, really like awkward, but at the same time, extraordinarily beautiful. And, and my son runs over and grabs the baby and like brings me the baby. And I'm like holding her baby. And I ended up taking a, like just a picture, a selfie. And it was that night that I got home, my kids were getting ready for bed, they were brushing their teeth, and I just sat on the bed and I just wrote this post. And it was just raw, it was super fucking raw. And I was like, 
no one will ever understand how much this picture means and like what I had to go through to get to this point. Like the ideas of literally putting a bullet in my skull to now sitting in this room and me holding this child and us communing as a family of sorts. No one will ever have any, any clue. Um, anyways, I went to bed and, and I woke up the next morning and that, and, and my Facebook, which at the time I was just, I mean, I was just an average asshole on Facebook yeah. and had a couple hundred friends and <laughs> shared the Yankees and whatever else. Right. And I remember waking up and that post had one K on it. Like, as I looked at it and I was like, what the hell does that mean? Like, I'm like shaking my phone. Is it broken? I had a thousand likes. Well, over the next, um, over the next four days, it had over a million likes. It was shared like six million times and it went viral. Like whatever viral means, that's what it did. Wow. And so I went from your average guy on Facebook to over 35,000 followers in a week. And these are all people that read that story. They were like, holy shit, how did you do it? You're, yeah. you're this, you're this God of sorts. Like you went from being a total asshole to now you're this like, this guy who has it all figured out. And I'm like, whoa, wait a second. Like, <laughs> I'm just telling my truth here, people. Yeah. But I was getting interviewed on podcasts like crazy, like divorce advocacy groups and men's groups and women's groups. And all these women wanted to know, like, how did I do it? And all these men were like, how the fuck did you do that? Yeah, you know, yeah. and I was kind of, I don't want to say thrust into this, but I was flipping houses, doing my thing, you know, trying to become a better man and create this relationship. And all of a sudden I found myself in this spotlight, if you will, of like, everybody wanted to know that story. Everybody wanted to know how I did it. I didn't really know how I did it. I was just doing it and I was still doing it. And it, and it, and it was a really interesting experience for me because most people want to go viral, right? They want to have a social media following or they want to become a celebrity or whatever, whatever. And some people could give two shits about it. Yeah. Um, but to find yourself in this position now of almost an authority where people are saying, will you teach us what you did? I was still in the midst of all this. Um, and it was really, really fascinating. It was really cool. It was very, very humbling because what I found myself doing is just telling my truth. Like I started telling the story about like wanting to blow my brains out and this guy who didn't know have all the answers and I was angry and I was mad and I did all these spiteful things to hurt her because it made me feel better. And it was kind of like, I just got really truthful. I got fucking honest. I just tell, started telling everybody the truth because it felt better to me. Yeah. It wasn't because I was building this tribe and I was trying to become this like social celebrity. It was like, dude, the more I tell the truth of like how I really did this and like what really happened, the better I feel. Well, the flip side to that is more and more people started listening because it was so weird. It was so different. And like, wait a second, this guy's talking different. I was just sharing my truth because so few people did it, especially on social media. Um, and I found myself kind of having more and more and more people reach out to me, say, can you come do this? Can you teach? Can you speak? Can you whatever? And, and so I had some friends that were in the coaching and consulting businesses and they were like, look, man, I mean, you should start doing seminars and doing things and writing a book and coaching and education and whatever. And because before, like I say, when I was making all this money, I didn't understand the value proposition of paying a coach or hiring a consultant. That was just the dude who just grinded it and figured it all out. Yeah. Um, but then I had done it. I, I hired a coach because I didn't have the answer, but I never looked at myself as a coach. I never looked at myself as this guy who had this magic pill. I was like, dude, I'm just telling my fucking story and all yeah. these people love it. Yeah. And so um, fast forward a little bit and I, I started working with a few other coaches and I started to kind of dabble in coaching and, and it was more on real estate. People started hiring me to figure out how I 
did all of the deals that I did in real estate. We did almost 4,000 flips in a matter of a few years from like 2008 to 2012. Uh, we were very, very, very successful in that business and yeah. made a ton of money doing it. So I started coaching people there. Um, and then one day I was literally in my house and I was looking at a, at a, at a, uh, a clothing company in London and they had a really unique name and, and all of a sudden lines not sheep popped in my brain. Like I wasn't thinking like, all right, I'm going to start this coaching company, whatever. Just, I was literally just going about my business and it just popped in my brain, lions, not sheep. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And it couldn't, didn't go away. And a day later and two days later, it was like, once something comes in my brain, this is kind of like the congressional why yeah. I'm running. Yeah, right. I couldn't get it out of my brain. And so I ended up calling my buddy who owns a clothing company. And I said, hey, man, can you make me a T-shirt? It was just this. I was just following these promptings of like, put this on a t-shirt. And so I picked out this font and I was like, Hey, can you write lions, not sheep on a t-shirt for me? And he said, yeah, sure. And I paid him like 30 bucks for the screen and the shirt and the whole thing. And I went and I picked it up and because the social media thing was growing, I, I ended up having a picture that I posted with this t-shirt and I had my inbox blown up. Like, where'd you get that shirt? I want that shirt. That's a freaking badass shirt. Where did you get it? And I was like, uh, I made it like, I, well, what do I do now? So I called my buddy and I was like, all these people want this shirt. What do I do? And he's like, well, let's start selling them. And I'm a capitalist. I understand capitalism, yeah. supply and demand. I get it. If somebody wants a shirt and I can make 10 bucks, awesome. You, you get a good product. I make 10 bucks. Great. Yeah. And so we ended up, um, I ended up uh, uh, incorporating the name uh, and setting up the website and the whole thing. And my buddy um, set up a Shopify store for me. We started selling these shirts. And at first it started as just this, it was kind of my ideology. It's what I think resonated with me is I had been this sheep my whole life, like building the business for all of these other ancillary reasons, which is what defined me as successful. But it, none of it made me happy. I was doing everything. I was carrying a 40 something thousand dollar a month nut to have all of this success, but it was stressing me the fuck out, um, which I think is what a lot of guys relate to. And I got to have the car and the house and the things and the golf club and the membership. And here I am like, having to service this huge nut and I don't really enjoy yeah. life really. Yeah. Um, and so I found myself like selling these shirts and, and, and it really just, it, it was the epitome of me it was my own personal journey. I went from what I consider being kind of a sheep and doing and saying what everybody was telling me to do and say, to now saying whatever the fuck I wanted to say yeah. and not really caring what anybody thought because it made me feel better. Yeah. And now enter this world of social media where I could say it to an audience and Tons of people liked it because it was so different. And that's really the origin of, of Lions Not Sheep. And so as that started to grow, more and more people started approaching me saying, hey, man, I went from 35000 to 50000 to 70000 I had four or five other posts go really big and really viral. And a lot of people that have social media success are kind of one-trick pony. They'll find one topic, one thing, they'll go viral, and then that's it. And I've had uh, posts about politics, about racism, um, about you know, divorce, about love, uh, about money. And, and so I've had, you know, almost 450 million views of my videos across the internet and have hundreds of thousands of followers. Um, and naturally moving this idea, this brand, it kind of became me yeah. and I kind of became lions, not sheep. And it was how I chose to live my life. It's how I chose to treat my business and, and run my life and create this experience with my ex-wife and teach people like, you know, it's, it's very abrasive to a lot of people, but it's me because it's real and it's pure. And I think that's the thing that most people now that know me or see my stuff online, they realize like I'm the same guy in person as I am online. 
um, my videos and whatever, but like I, I legitimately don't, I realize that I'm not here for all of these people. And the more I just live my life and say what I want to say and do what I want to do, a lot of people are like, look, man, you are abrasive and you say things differently, but we know that you're passionate and we know that you're saying what you believe to be true. And I think that's what's really meaningful about the brand, about Lions Not Sheep, and why I've got over 400 clients all around the world right now that I coach and consult and businesses and um, some really large, you know, mid-cap, eight, nine-figure businesses versus now down to entrepreneurs, you know, starting a, a new company. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are, are they're hungry for that. They're hungry for truth. And I think our marketplace in general, the world in general, is starving for truth because there's so much bullshit and there's so much just ridiculousness in the marketplace we don't know what to believe anymore so when all of a sudden somebody shows up and it's like almost punching you in the face with whoa what the hell is this yeah they're either really offended by it or they're drawn to it but the thing that i'm finding is the people that are offended by it are still following it and are still absorbing and consuming the content so you know lions not sheep has become my brand it's become the flag that that i like to wave which is you know my consulting company and, and helping businesses tell the truth online they're trying to figure out how to like Anybody can figure out Facebook ads, but how the hell do I get people to pay attention to me? Yeah. Entrepreneurs, I got a lot of my clients are, are really the the, uh, the avatar of who I was. Your average guy who's 30, 35, 40 years old, he might have the house, the car, the wife, the kids, the whole thing, but he's not stoked. He's not yeah. happy. He can't figure out why like he and his wife are just kind of two ships passing in the night. And so I share with him what I did and how far I went. And so... You know, Lions Not Sheep has, has literally become a global brand mm-hmm. um, of sorts. And, and, you know, I'm kind of in this phase where now we're trying to figure out what, how do we make it even bigger? You know, how do we make it more mainstream where it's not just kind of this cult of people that follow the ideology and, and follow me, but we, how do we bring it to the masses? How do we bring it to a billion people? Yeah. Not just a shirt, not just a, you know, a, a t-shirt or a sweatshirt. But the whole concept of living as a lion versus a sheep, you know, millions, I don't care what continent you're living on. This is a, the ideology that everybody wants. Everyone wants to forge their own deal. Everybody wants to be in charge. Everybody would love to earn the amount of money they, they feel they deserve and figure out how to have a thriving relationship. And nobody really wants to be fat, but they don't know how to not be fat. Yeah. So it's the, it's the mentality of like truly owning who the fuck you are, owning your life, no matter where you are, ripping yourself open to like the God's honest, no bullshit truth and realizing that there's a group of people out there that aren't going to judge you for it. They actually appreciate it. Yeah. And that's yeah. really the tribe that I've built is, is people that are, are unbelievably straightforward and, and honest, um, but extraordinarily motivated to, to go even deeper the way that I did into their own darkness and figure out how to become more have more feel more and so it's been a, I mean the, the last two years it's been unbelievably brilliant watching this thing unfold and kind of being at the front edge of leading it you know yeah, yeah. Uh, it's awesome. cool so it's, it just sounds like you really like you always keep talking about how you know I'm just telling the truth right? yeah so it just sounds like that's what you try to do is just break these guys down that have been living a lie or they've been kind of like you know personally you say well how was I raised how was I grown up well you're sheltered. Your mom says you can't do this. You can't do that. You gotta do this. You gotta, like you said, the school, the whole little path that you follow, and all of a sudden you're living someone else's life. Right. And you say, let's just tear down all those walls, blow it all up, and start over, and, and get you going from, yeah. you know, from the beginning. Right. That. I mean, for for a lack of better words, 
Well, I mean, we're not that different. And I don't care if you're, if you're gay or straight, you're black, you're white, you're rich, you're poor, you're fat, you're skinny. Like, if you think back to our childhood, and I don't care if you're 30, 35, 40, 45, we were all programmed the same way. And yeah. this, is the, this is the philosophy of our, of our society and our culture. You know, elementary school, sit down, quiet down, slow down. Don't say anything that's going to offend the teacher or the principal or anybody. In fact, we need you to raise your hand if you need to, to go to the restroom. You know, and so this programming from when we were little kids was like, do as you're told. Yeah. This yeah. is, these are the people that know, these are the people that know what's best for you. So listen to them, do what you're told. This is why I'm saying, I don't care if you're freaking in the inner city, if you grew up in Beverly Hills, I don't care if you're rich or poor. We all were raised this exact same way. Right, right. And what I'm seeing and, and, and what I'm experiencing with my clients, and we've translated this into our businesses now. Now it's fucking rooted in politics. It's re- like ridiculously rooted in politics. The same ideology when we were when we were growing up. 328 million Americans think that 535 Congress and Senators know what's best for us or, or have our best interest. This yeah. teacher, this educator, this parent knows what's best for us. So let's just give them all of our money and give them all of our freedom and give them all of us and then they'll dictate what's best for yeah. us. And so yeah. we were all raised the same way and that's why I feel like the bigger this message is and, and the more people like listen and watch, they feel something because... You know, I don't remember a lot of what my dad told me, but I remember what he showed me. And I'm sure you probably echo the same thing. Like you remember like the feeling, the intensity or the lack thereof. And so I feel like the more this, this grows, more people are feeling shit going, dude, I want that freedom. I want to be able to say whatever I want to say about politics, about religion, about my sex life. I want to be able to tell my wife, my lover, my husband, whatever, like all the shit that I really like feel inside, but I can't because it's not socially acceptable or it's, it's maybe religion will think down of me. And so we literally live in these boxes and we wonder why prescription drug use is at an all time high yeah. and why, you know, stay at home moms are and not all, but you know, we have this, especially here in Utah, you know, people are popping Xanax like they're fucking Skittles. Right. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we're sedating from this life that we just don't know what the hell to do. And I feel like that's really what, you know, lines, not sheep was, was given to me for is to be kind of this, megaphone of telling people, look, man, you're going to be judged either way. Like you're going to be judged. If you're fat, you're lazy. If you're ripped, you got to be on drugs. You can't, it's not natural, right? If you're poor, you're just, you're, you're totally a lazy piece of shit. If you're rich, you must've ripped people off. You've got to be a crook. People are going to judge you no matter where the hell you are. And so we're, we're so trapped in this idea. Again, just like when we were little kids, I don't want to say anything or ask a dumb question because then all the kids will laugh. Or the teacher will scold me, and so literally, we're thirty-five years old, thirty-five-year-old adults yeah. living with with the the concept and the ideology of a, of a five-year-old. Like we're back in elementary school, asking permission for what to say, asking permission for what to do, and it's like once you kind of have this awakening and you step back and you're like, "What the fuck am I doing?" Because I'm not happy, and eventually I'm going to die. So why am I doing all of this? For who? For what? Yeah. Because my neighbors are all living their own lives. My mom and dad are living their own life. My brother and sister are living their own life. But I'm fucking miserable. You know, that's really the, the, the message behind lions, not sheep, is choose. Like, choose what choose in every aspect of your life, from your body, to your relationships, to your business, to your bank account, to your mind. Like, am I going to be a lion or am I going to be a sheep? Am I going to say what I want to say right now or am I going to say what's, quote, socially acceptable? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Interesting. 